Hello, I'm Lina Ahmudu. Welcome to Health Chat. The word rabies often brings to mind stray dogs or enraged animals, but there is more to it. Rabies is a fatal but vaccine-preventable disease caused by a virus that affects the central nervous system. It can spread to people and pets if they are bitten or scratched by a rabid animal. Rabies is one of the oldest diseases known to mankind and continues to pose a threat to human and animal health. The World Health Organization says tens of thousands of people die from rabies each year, mainly in Asia and Africa. For more on the subject, I spoke with Professor Luis Nell, Executive Director of the Global Alliance for Rabies Control. Take a listen. Professor Luis Nell, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. September 28th is World Rabies Day. Would you please uh, explain to us what is rabies? So rabies is a a disease caused by a virus, the rabies virus. It's quite a miserable disease. Uh, the virus uh, uh, tra travels up to the the brain of the infected person, and uh, and and death uh, then follows invariably. Uh, so it really, truly, is a miserable disease that's been with mankind for thousands of years. It can be something like fatigue, headache, fever. Those can be initial symptoms. And then it pro can progress into hallucinations, light sensitivity, uh, hydrophobia, fear of water. And it's all connected with things that go wrong in, in the brain. It is essentially going to making somebody crazy and certainly making these animals also crazy. They behave uh, completely abnormal, completely aggressive. Uh, this hypersalivation um, that you get, and this is in humans and in animals. Uh, you do get the two forms. The one is the furious form, which is the more common one, the one that I've just explained. Uh, then there's the second manifestation is the dumb form in which um, yeah, an animal or a human simply become paralyzed. This common idea is that uh, dogs are the one who bite people and then people get infected, but uh, there's more to it than that. Yes, uh, I think many people in the world uh, underestimate the burden of, of rabies. Uh, it's, you know, we calculate that there's almost 60,000 people per year uh, dying from, from rabies, most of them in Africa and Asia. And 99% uh, of them from uh, infected dogs. So this is what we call dog-mediated rabies. So dogs really truly are the reservoir and, and the vector, the, the source of, of the virus that is then transmitted to humans, uh, causing their deaths. So you can think, um, if we talk about 60,000 or so human deaths per year, it's many times more animals that succumb to, to disease as well. So there are other animals susceptible to rabies. In fact, all mammals are, are susceptible to rabies, but is the dog that we are concerned about when it comes to the, the largest impact uh, on human health. How do people get rabies? The disease then is transmitted between dogs. So uh, a dog gets infected and then transmits that uh, the virus to another dog. Uh, humans then are intermediate hosts. So if you get in the way of a rabbit dog, you can be bitten 
by that dog. Um, by the time the dog is rabid, there would be a lot of uh, virus in the brain of the virus and from the brain of the dog. And from the brain, it, the virus migrates to the uh, salivary glands. Then there's uh, lots and lots of virus in the saliva of this infected animal. Uh, and when uh, you are then bitten, the virus is transmitted through the saliva. So the skin is penetrated, the saliva is deposited, and the virus is contained within the saliva. From there, the virus then enters the peripheral nerve system and then travels through the central nervous system all the way to the brain. So that is how the infection happens. And they say about rabies that once the symptoms are manifesting in a, a person, then it's too late. That is correct. A very important thing about rabies is that it can be prevented through what we call post-exposure prophylaxis, so treatment that happens after you have been exposed. But this have, has to happen quickly. Um, you need to get the, the correct medical care. If uh, I, There are basically three important steps. Uh, the first thing is when a person is bitten by a, a suspected rabbit animal, that wound must be very thoroughly washed uh, for as long as you can. Um, the, the WHO, World Health Organization, recommend 15 minutes. That's a long time, but th this is important. So for as long as you can, with soap and water, running water, if, if possible, that's a very important first intervention. Thereafter, such a person should get medical care, which would then include a schedule of vaccines, and the medical professionals will be able to tell the person um, how and how often this should happen, and also immune globulin, if that is potentially available. So these are important steps. But back to your comment, once symptoms appeared, so once the, once the virus reached the brain, there's nothing you can do, and then it's invariably fatal. So how long is the incubation then? And how much time does someone have to make sure that the symptom does not appear? Yeah, that's a very good and a very tricky question and, and rabies is a is, is a tricky virus in that sense because the uh, the virus needs to travel to the brain and that can be a long way if you bitten on the ankle for example there's a long way that the virus needs to travel all the way to the brain if you bitten in the neck it's a shorter way and so the travel time will be shorter so then the incubation time will be shorter so that's one factor but there are other factors that also can make incubation time quite variable in the case of rabies. So typically between one and eight weeks uh, for, for humans, but it can be shorter and it can be longer. Can a person transmit rabies or is it just from animal to humans? In theory, yes. And there have been one very few documented cases over, so over hundreds of years uh, in theory yes but that is not normally what would happen uh, the normal route of transmission would be through a, a carnival or an animal such as a dog to humans so in theory yes but th this is not something that is well documented talk to us about the incidence of rabies in developing countries especially in uh, africa so a good rabies control would rely on on, on good 
public health measures and good public health infrastructure, and sometimes this is lacking in uh, countries of the developing world. Uh, and in many African countries, the vaccination rate of dogs is not really what it should be. So if we want to prevent rabies in humans, the way to do it would be to vaccinate dogs. So it's a little bit of a story. So, so here we talk about the relationship between animal health and human health. We came to understand that as a general global population, a little bit better with the COVID pandemic, understanding that there's a link between human health and animal health. So, but in the case of rabies, the way to prevent rabies in humans would be to eliminate it in the reservoir, in dogs. That means dogs need to be vaccinated and we need to achieve herd immunity in dogs. Something that people will also better understand now with the COVID pandemic. Uh, people now understand that we need to vaccinate 70-80% of people to achieve herd immunity. The same for rabies, and we've always known that with in excess of 70% of the dog population needs to be vaccinated. But that's a tall challenge uh, because there are many dogs that are sometimes not that well looked after. They can be free roaming animals and they in Africa don't necessarily get the veterinary care that you would for example, get in the in the United States of America or uh, in Western Europe. And therein lies, lies the challenge, uh, would be to make the case that we need to get these animals vaccinated. We need to spend the money to create the structure where we can vaccinate these animals. Uh, we also need a better level of animal welfare care. Um, so it's a you, it can be a win-win situation from an animal welfare point of view, but also from a disease prevention point of view. And Professor Nell, talk to us about the actions of your organization. What sorts of programs are being implemented to ensure that uh, rabies is uh, a story of the past one day? When we started this discussion, you mentioned World Rabies Day on 28th of September. Now, World Rabies Day was created by the Global Alliance for Rabies Control uh, as the premier non-governmental organization um, at the time trying to create more awareness about this disease. So that's an advocacy tool. So, uh, so, in, uh, so, so the World Rabies Day initiative is one of the things that we try to do to create more advocacy, to make people more aware of, of this disease and that it is still a serious problem um, in many parts of the world. And it's an unnecessary problem. It's a problem that, um, you know, every rabies death is preventable and completely unnecessary. And if you can prevent something, why would you not? And, uh, and if you can eliminate a disease, why would you not? And the disease, in fact, had been eliminated in many countries of the world, starting in Japan, later on in countries of Western Europe, United Kingdom, and dog rabies also eliminated in places like the U.S. and recently in Mexico. So I think these are, are things that need to be done. But there needs to be awareness and advocacy. And so that's one of the first things that we, we try and do. We also have two websites that the Global Alliance for Rabies Control created with the various different tools that are necessary uh, to combat this disease. It's very easy to get in rabies now. 
endrabies.org is the one website and endrabiesnow.org explains the problem and explains the solution and it tells the stories from around the world. The other website um, is rabiesalliance.org and that page contains all of the various different tools available that are created that have been created to help people around the world. The important thing is we need to create a, uh, a situation where people can help themselves. And if I say people, I'm talking about nations, I'm talking about governments, I'm talking about territories. And we need to create things, tools that would make it easier for them to do that. So, so advocacy, educational tools, and then tools like surveillance, tools and we know everybody now knows from the COVID pandemic how important surveillance is you cannot neglect surveillance surveillance means you need to know the numbers of cases so if you don't know if the cases are going up uh, and you don't know if cases are going down you have no idea whether your intervention strategy is working or not and you have no idea of the burden of that disease on your society so surveillance is very important and we have those tools and similarly vaccination tools, how to better keep tracking of vaccination, how to more efficiently vaccinate, how to do it for at a lesser cost, that sort of thing. Final word, Professor Nell. There are many diseases in the world and we know many of these diseases are important. So why would we focus on on rabies, why should we, and if people ask me, but should I not rather spend a bit more money on this or that? This is a terrible disease. We don't need this disease. It's been around for too long. It belongs to the history books. There are vaccines, they work. The disease had been eliminated from many parts of the world. We just now go to go the extra mile and just get rid of this. Professor Luinel, thank okay. you so much. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Lenard, appreciate. That was Professor Louis Nell, Executive Director of the Global Alliance for Rabies Control. You are listening to Health Chat on Voice of America. It is time for a short break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hello, this is James Barty, Managing Editor and host of VOA's Daybreak Africa show. Join us Monday through Friday at 03, 04, 05, and 0600 hours UTC as we bring you the latest Africa news, features, and sports. You can also be a part of Daybreak Africa through our mail segment by sending your comments to daybreakafrica at voanews.com. Or you can call us on 001-202-205-9942. And when you hear the Voice of America identification, press the number 25 to leave us your message. That's Daybreak Africa at 03, 04, 05, and 0600 hours UTC. Right here on VOA Africa. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and a panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including a growing number of Western businesses are either halting operations in Russia or exiting altogether over that country's military invasion of neighboring Ukraine. The major hit to Russia's economy will likely come from the crucial oil and gas industry. Join us for Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. 
Welcome back to Health Chat. And uh, we are discussing rabies on the program today. Next, I spoke with Dr. Felix uh, Lancaster, a veterinarian, clinical associate professor at the Washington State University and director of Rabies Free Tanzania. Dr. Lancaster conducts rabies elimination research and vaccination campaigns in Tanzania and leads Global Health Tanzania and Rabies Free Tanzania program. Dr. Felix Lancaster, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Rabies is a viral disease that affects animals as well as humans. What is the scope of the problem in the African region? I'm currently in East Africa, and rabies is a significant problem in Africa and in Asia. Um, around 50% of the cases are in the world are in Africa, um, between 25 and 30,000 deaths a year, mostly children. So it's a significant problem, especially in the rural areas. We see a lot of stray dogs in uh, African cities, also rural areas. Should people assume that they have rabies? So there are many dogs on the streets and in the villages, and, and most of them appear to be stray or feral, but actually most of them have some form of ownership and are pets in some respect. And so when we run vaccination programs and we ask people to bring dogs, all, most of those dogs get scooped up and get brought to the vaccination clinic. So they're not all stray or feral. And a rabid dog generally will be uh, behaving very strangely. So the dogs that you see sleeping on the side of the road, um, behaving normally, they are not a risk to you. It's the dogs that are looking very strange, um, aggressive, not just your normal aggression when a, a dog is on a chain and it's a guard dog, that's not a rabid dog. It's, it's, a, it's a, a dog that's behaving strangely and is aggressive for no reason whatsoever. That's when you need to worry, but obviously, um, rabies is relatively, um, I mean, it's, most dogs don't have rabies, so you don't, people don't need to fear dogs, um, they should fear rabies, and, and the way to control rabies is to get dogs vaccinated, and that's very straightforward. You are conducting a rabies elimination research and vaccination campaign in Tanzania. Talk to us about the work that you're doing and how it's uh, uh, making an impact on the ground. So we run mass dog vaccination programs in northern Tanzania to distribute uh, dog vaccines to rural areas to try to create sufficient vaccination coverage. So we run research programs looking at different methods of, of, make, of delivering mass dog vaccination and comparing different methods of delivering mass dog vaccination to try to understand which is the most cost effective, has the most reach. And so we recently determined that the a commonly used vaccine is thermotolerant, which means it can be stored outside of refrigerators. And that has been a great uh, um, discovery because it's enabled us to really rethink how we distribute dog vaccines um, to these rural areas where uh, electricity is scarce and refrigeration units are are also not to be found. So because we've determined that the rabies vaccine is, is able to be stored outside of the cold chain, we can then deliver these vaccines without refrigerators to remote areas where they can be managed by the communities. And this is helping us to increase the number of dogs in these communities that are vaccinated, which in turn enables us to eliminate rabies, both in dogs and in humans. And finally, what will be the best way to contain and eradicate rabies? It has been around for such a long time. How do we control rabies? So rabies is one of those interesting diseases where um, it's, it's, 
affects over half the world's population, yet we have all the tools necessary to, to control it and eliminate it. We have very effective vaccines, and we know what the reservoir host is. It's the domestic dog, man's best friend. So really, all we need to do is, is garner the political will and the financial clout to start rolling out mass dog vaccinations in the areas where rabies remains endemic. Now, climate change is expected to cause approximately 250,000 additional deaths that, per that year between 2030 and 2050, according to the World Health Organization. And other Observers say children and youth are more susceptible to its effects than adults, with immediate and lifelong impacts on their physical and mental health. Climate change is disrupting many lives around the world, the change in climatic conditions, changing weather patterns, and the increased frequency of weather-related disasters such as floods and forest fires are causing eco-anxiety in people. The American Psychological Association defines eco-anxiety as the chronic fear of environmental doom, and young people are experiencing the condition. Recent statistics from AVAS show that about 75% of young people are afraid of how the future is going to look like in terms of climate change. So the young people are definitely worried. And the way we continue to delay action, then we continue to also impact the mental health of these young people. Experts say eco-anxiety is exacerbated by striking images of the adverse effects of climate change that people often find in the media. But there is more. Young people are not anxious solely because the future is dire. They're anxious because of the inaction of their leaders, the inaction of decision makers. That's what is anxiety raising. It's not so much that there's a doomsday scenario. Wanjira Matai is vice president and regional director for Africa at the World Resources Institute. She says more should be done to lessen anxiety due to climate change among the youth. If they knew we were doing what we need to do, taking it seriously, addressing issues of climate finance, addressing adaptation, addressing loss and damage, and putting finance on the table like we did in the post-COVID recovery, they would be okay. Meanwhile, in a new report, the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change says that the world is only beginning to see the devastating effects of climate change. And UNICEF warns children are at risk. Reducing emissions is the only long-term solution. And at the same time, that will come too late for the generation of kids that are being born now. And the best thing we can do for those children is to ensure that we're getting these basics right, that water and sanitation, health, education, and ensuring that these services are resilient to climate impacts. If we care about kids, you really have to care about climate change. Linor Moudou, VOA News. South Africa has the world's highest number of HIV patients, but the COVID pandemic disrupted access to care, prevention and testing, raising concerns of a spike in infections. With COVID numbers reducing, South Africa's health experts are scrambling to step up HIV programs, as Linda Givetesh reports from Johannesburg. With COVID-19 under control in South Africa, health workers are putting the spotlight back on the country's first pandemic, HIV. The community of Soshanguve, north of Pretoria, is considered a hotspot for the disease. 
This mobile clinic is attempting to fill gaps in HIV services while targeting the most vulnerable populations, women and girls. It's easy for them to get HIV because of, um, first of all, the boys, they don't, want to, they don't want to condomize. So if a lady depends on a guy, financial or anyhow, then it's easy for them to allow the guy not to use a condom. They're also at risk of getting raped. They're also at risk of getting married at a very young age. But reaching people wasn't as easy during COVID-19 lockdowns. There were difficulties in terms of reaching our, our target because everyone was indoors, everyone is home, people, they were losing their jobs. So there was a high risk of poverty. Obvious, when people are at home, all they do is intercourse. The United Nations says for the first time in the history of fighting HIV, there were significant declines in testing and treatment for HIV amid the coronavirus pandemic. It means people are at greater risk of unknowingly spreading the disease. Health workers say it's too early to quantify any increases in HIV spread. But they say factors like increases in teen pregnancy, gender-based violence, and school dropouts are cause for concern. I'm worried about HIV rising again because of COVID, you know. I'm worried about uh, poverty going up. I'm worried about, about a whole lot of things, you know. Um, unemployment because COVID has affected our lives in so many aspects. The setback could reverse years of progress and cost lives. UNAIDS predicts that the world could face 7.7 million deaths, AIDS deaths, over the ten, next 10 years. And 4.7 million of those deaths will be, occur in Africa. Um, if we make the needed investments um, and, and achieve the 2025 targets, we could achieve we could save the lives of 2.7 million people. Despite the economic impact of COVID-19, Eva Kiwango says many international groups like the Global Fund have upheld HIV funding, allowing countries to continue pursuing targets. You know, South Africa has shown um, very strong efforts and communities have been so resilient. Um, and and um, we've, saw, we've seen initiatives um, that, that have been scaled up. By reinvigorating efforts, she says HIV can become a disease of the past. Linda Giftash from VOA News, Johannesburg. That's all for this edition of Health Chat. For the latest news and coverage on the coronavirus pandemic, visit voanews.com. Check us out at facebook.com slash voahealthchat and let's keep the conversation going. Thank you all for joining us and special thanks to all our affiliate stations throughout Africa for carrying Health Chat. I'm your host, Lina Mudu in Washington with producer Dan Brown. Until next time, take care and strive to make every day a healthy day. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. Next up, the status of talks in Vienna on a nuclear deal with Iran. President Joe Biden chose to revive negotiations over the 2015 deal, which former President Donald Trump abandoned. Experts examined last-minute demands from Russia and the possibility of lifting sanctions on Iran should the West ban imports of Russian oil in response to the war in Ukraine. That's Encounter this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Border Crossings. Join host Larry London. Larry London. On Border Crossings, VOA's only worldwide music request hour. Oh. Every weekday at 1500 Universal. 
tune in for the biggest hits and amazing artists, win prizes, and get the latest news from exclusive celebrity interviews. Send your requests to Facebook at VOA Larry London, Twitter at Border Crossings, or Instagram at Border Crossings VOA. Or call 202-619-2077 and have your favorite music played to the entire world. Ah. Don't miss Border Crossings every weekday at 1500 Universal, only on The Voice of America. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Linor Modou. The World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control say we all can help fight the global pandemic by frequently washing our hands or using hand sanitizers. For more information on protecting yourself and others, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. During this pandemic, the World Health Organization and Africa Center for Disease Control say if you have a fever, a cough, or have trouble breathing, you should stay at home and contact a healthcare facility. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest health news. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. <laughs> 